and welcome to a new episode of the Computomics podcast. Our guest today heads the Bioinformatics Research Group at TUM Campus Straubing and University of Applied Sciences Weinstefan Priestdorf, and he's a two-time winner of the Prize for Excellence in Teaching. Welcome, Dominic Lim. Thanks, and uh, thanks for the nice introduction. You're welcome. It's great to have you here. We have a few topics we'd like to talk about today, but I'm curious, kind of as an icebreaker, what's your favorite tree? My favorite tree? Wow, that's a very good question. Apple tree, maybe? <laughs> Why? Because um, it gives you fruits. It's a tree. And so you can you can also use it hmm. in daily life. Yeah. <laughs> I asked you, uh, again, it's a bit of an icebreaker, but you received a tree as, as the actual prize for excellence in teaching. So um, you, what could, would you say, what are values that you have with regard to teaching in your role at TUM? Yes. So teaching is very important uh, for myself because I think it's something where we can educate our next generations of students and we can give them something that's important for the future. And I like this price of a tree a lot because the tree is something special. It will be there for forever, more or less, or for the next uh, few years, few hundred years, maybe, maybe not the apple tree, but other trees will be there quite a long time. So it's something sustainable. And that's also something that we do very much at our campus. We concentrate our research on sustainability and um, we have to somehow go into a new world where we are more sustainable. And that's why I like this tree a lot, because that's something sustainable that will be there for several years. And it's not just a, a toy or something that you can hang on your wall and it will disappear. The tree will be there. Mm -hmm. True. So it's it's a prize for you, but also almost a gift to the community there and the overall community in a way, a very sustainable uh, and maybe something we should copy with other prizes. <laughs> yes, um, I like the idea. Yeah, so you already mentioned sustainability is a huge part of, of what you do. Um, what would you say is your focus area in your work at TUM? Yeah, so we focus on mainly developing new statistical models and machine learning models, but that we can apply them on real-world application and especially to agricultural and biological applications, but also more and more into the fields of chemical process engineering, for example. So we try to enable with the research we are doing that scientists um, are able to bring our methodology towards applications, more or less. And that's also very interesting at our campus here that we are very interdisciplinary, that we work together with not only biotechnologists or chemists, but also with economists and people from the management sciences, that we can bridge the gap, especially going from a fuel-based industry towards a bio-based economy. That's our main goal. Mm -hmm. And I think that that speaks very well also to the project that you are leading that com Computomics is a part of, uh, namely the Crop ML project. I'll, I'll say the name for for those who aren't familiar with the this project. Um, it's new machine learning techniques for more accurate plant breeding by integrating heterogeneous external factors, or Crop ML for short. This is a BMBF funded project, and uh, I think it, it ties into what you described as a focus area already, but. Can you say what, what's the, the goal of this, this project? Yeah, 
This is a very interesting project because currently the problem is that the agricultural industry is under great pressure that we deliver or quickly deliver new crop varieties. So we are um, having changing climate environment. So it's getting more and more challenging that we can grow crops um, with high yield and we have to use fewer resources in the future. So we have uh, less space. Uh, we um, need less resources. Uh, for example, we are not allowed to use fertilizers anymore or we should reduce fertilizers. So we have to create and breed new uh, varieties of crops that have still a lot of yield, but become more sustainable and also more productive for also this changing climate environment. So that's the main goal. And um, we hope that we can help plant breeders and breeding programs by using artificial intelligence and combining artificial intelligence with the traditional work plant breeders are doing. So that's the main idea behind the project. There we co uh, collaborate, for example, with Computomics uh, that we can achieve this goal. Can you go into a bit more detail? Because you said you you combining the work there that that breeder, breeders and breeding programs are doing already with machine learning methods and kind of how how does this combination work? Take us through the process. Yeah, sure. So um, usually um, in the last few years there was a new technique developed. It's called genomic selection. We have. Um, Breeders try to use the genetic data they get from the plants to do predictions on the phenotype so that we can create more or easier new types of, of crops that we can accelerate the breeding process. And the genomic or the classical genomic selection are basic statistical models that look at the genetic variations between the different uh, plants that we have and try to give an estimate about yeah, the, the phenotype of the plant. So, the, for example, the, uh, the, the yield of a plant or if it's resistant um, towards a certain um, disease, for example, or drought tolerance and so on. And um, what we try to do is that we use more advanced statistical models, so machine learning models, or maybe also in the future, deep learning based models um, that help us to not only look at the genetics data, but that we can also integrate environmental effects because phenotype of a plant so um, how much yield it gives for example is not only dependent on the genotype it's also dependent on the environment where the plant is growing so we also have to somehow integrate this environmental information and that's quite challenging because environmental information and um, all external factors are quite heterogeneous so we have different types of data they um sometimes are sparse. We don't have all the information for all the different data types available. So we have to integrate this data together with the genetics data. And that's quite challenging. And that we try to achieve by using more modern machine learning based models that we can integrate these heterogeneous factors and maybe have then an advantage in the prediction of new phenotypes that then again help breeders again to yeah, breed more efficiently. Mm -hmm. Let's let's jump a little more into the environmental fa factors. You said it is quite challenging uh, to to get that data or to to maybe even integrate it if you have it. So so firstly, what kind of environmental data are you taking into account? Like if someone doesn't know anything about the process, like what are huge environmental data sets that you have to take into account? Yeah. So 
One factor, of course, is weather. Weather is very uh, important for uh, the growth of specific crops. So we definitely have to integrate climate information, weather information, uh, but also soil, uh, soil information is important. So what type of soil do I have? Which fertilizers have been used before, maybe years before or during the growth of the crop? So these are environmental data, environmental effects that directly affect the growth of a specific crop. So this type of data we try to integrate, and that's so challenging because weather information we, we can get daily. Climate information we also have. We have historical climate information. We can make a few estimates of maybe how the climate might evolve over the next years. And so it's a lot of additional data that we get. And that's a huge problem that we have here when we try to integrate these environments. Because when we also think about the genetics, so if we look at a single plant, then we have uh, several positions in the genome that might differ from other plants. So we have thousands to millions of these positions in the genomes. So we have a lot of data also from the genotype or genetic side. And we have a lot of information from the environments like daily weather information, soil information, fertilizer information. Um, and to integrate all of this together in one model makes it challenging because we can't, for example, genotypes thousands to millions of plants. This is a limiting effect that we have in this project. So getting environmental data is easy, but integrating it into the models and combining it with the genetics, that's a huge challenge. Can you share, or are you already at the point in the project? I, I believe it started in 2021. So where are you at in the project right now? Is there Are there any results, for example, in the area of, of integrating the data that you can already share or maybe give us a teaser for? Yes, we already have some uh, results. So uh, actually several results already. So um, what we did in the beginning is we first wanted to get an overview of what is out there on methods that can be used for phenotype prediction and how well do they perform or do they compare next to more modern approaches that are coming from the machine learning side or also from this new deep learning based side, which is just a subdomain of machine learning, but we use neural networks there. And so we compared dozens of these machine learning models with basic uh, genomic selection models to get a feeling of how well these models perform. And this we did on first simulated data. So it's also a challenge to simulate data because they are so complex um, in this domain. And Then we also try to compare it uh, with uh, real data first in Arabidopsis thaliana. Why Arabidopsis thaliana? So that's a, a model plant in genetics. It's very well genotyped. We have uh, freely available phenotypes and environments and so on. So it's an, an easy to get data set, which, has, which is very well studied. And then we also used real world data sets from breeders um, to evaluate these different models. And um, this uh, study we just published in Frontiers in Plant Sciences. And there we found out that even so we have now very advanced machine learning models or deep learning based models, these basic models like uh, basic linear regression where we add some regularization that can yeah, more or less reduce the dimensionality of the data set they perform still best. So they perform very well um, on simulated data, but also on real data. And that these more modern models underperform a little bit compared to these basic models or historic models. And um, 
A reason for this is that, as I said before, we have so many um, data points, so many positions in the genome and all this environmental data, that it's a challenge to integrate this into these modern uh, methods, because these modern methods have also, yeah, we call it a lot of parameters that we have to tune, that we have to find. And that's a huge challenge when we only have a few um, plants available. And that's the biggest bottleneck that we also investigated. So can we get better results when we increase the number of samples? So if we not only have available 100 plants, but maybe 1,000 or 2,000 or even more, then we see that this uh, neural network-based approaches get better in their predictive performance. Uh, but this is also true for the for the basic models. But we see a trend that the more data we maybe have available in the future, and with more data mean more samples, the more advantages this modern-based uh, methods will have. And um, yeah, that was one um, study that we uh, or that we investigated, and now we are um, also investigating in a master's thesis if we can build more or better architecture of these modern-based models that can help us to do better predictions on um, only if we have available, for example, a few samples. And uh, there we see that we can build su such architectures. It's getting better. We are not already there that we outperform all the others, but it's getting better. And this gives a lot of potential also for the future research that we can then integrate in these models, also the environmental effects that we improve the predictions in general. And yeah, that, that was a quite interesting study and also a lot of work because we had to first collect yeah, or build a library that has all these different uh, models that are out there in one, in one common place. And that's what was also done by my PhD students who did a fantastic job there. So Maura and uh, Florian, who also developed here a package that can be used by other academic uh, partners and scientists to investigate um, phenotype prediction models and to compare them with each other. Mm -hmm. And how how can anyone who'd like to use that access that package? Yes, that's freely available on GitHub uh, under GPL license, so one can download it. We have also great documentation with this package, um, with YouTube videos where um, my PhD students explain how we can use the package um, and a lot of tutorials that it's um, easy to use. So it's based all on Python. So Python is a programming language. So one needs, of course, some um, Python programming skills, but it can be used as a standalone package, for example, as a Linux command line tool, or it can be also used within a programming environment and easily adapted. And we built it in such a way that we also can integrate new models quite easily. So you are working on expanding that library, even, even though it's already a workable and usable package, you're still adding to it as you go along in the CropML project? Yeah, definitely. Because so this is more or less now the basis uh, for all the future research so that we have a good uh, way to compare different models. And now we have everything that we easily can integrate new and modern methods and that we also can then compare them again to our old ones. So yes, definitely. That's quite a range of results already one year into the project. Or a year and a half, more or less. What what would you say are the current main challenges? Are you focusing on the integration aspect more, or which which part of the project is currently at the at the highest priority? If you can share. So currently, the highest priority has that we integrate these different environmental effects efficiently. 
Um, so this, as I said, will be the next step. And this is, of course, challenging because of all the different things that I said before, that it's so heterogeneous, that we have so many data points that we increase the dimensionally of the data a lot. So that's challenging, but we already have some ideas how we can accomplish this. And yeah, the next year will be super curious to see what's coming out of these ideas that we have. And yeah, we will see maybe by the end of next year what worked and what not. And if once you have, so, so let's, uh, now we're going into the, the kind of simulation or in the, uh, into the area of, of what you hope maybe to get to. But if you manage to reduce that complexity, to integrate that data in a, in a more efficient manner, how do you see the development going from that point? I think, first of all, if this works out and this will lead to better predictions, um, about phenotypes, then this, of course, will help our breeders a lot because they can accelerate then their breeding programs a lot and make things possible that might not have been possible before. So they will, first of all, save a lot of time and then also money. And we can maybe then quicker adapt our different plants uh, to this changing and challenging environments that we have in the future and maybe create then also more sustainable crops. So that's the final goal, of course. And we hope that with these packages that we develop, this will be possible in the future. Right. And this this touches obviously on that, that very basic question of why it is so important with where we are at right now with the climate to integrate those environmental factors into the into the breeding processes. Because why why would you say is it so important? Yeah, because the problem is we not only have the the problem of changing environments, we also have uh, political goals that we have to reduce, for example, fertilizers. So we need also robust uh, or robust cro uh, crops that um, need less fertilizers. Or there are also goals, for example, that we are not allowed to use pesticides anymore on the fields. So um, we have to somehow also control the weeds on the fields uh, that are in, in um, concurrence more or less with the crops. So which weeds do we have to remove and which weeds can we uh, leave on the field? And um, if we can create more resistant crops, maybe that can also grow um, when we, when you have specific weeds next to the crop and they can interact with them or maybe don't interact with them, that they can get more yield. And this is also a very important thing. I'd also be interested in, in do you have a way or are you attempting to look at location-specific interactions? So the genetic traits of specific plant in a specific region and to to draw maybe from from those results to draw into models that would be kind of geographically specific in the future yeah definitely i think that's also one of the most important uh, effects that we have to take into account so usually breeders not only like to create crops that only grow on in a specific location so usually um, farmers, if they um, get on the fields and uh, like the crops grow, then they like to get crops that grow everywhere. And if I only have to select first specific crops that only uh, grow in specific locations, then this, of course, uh, limits also the, 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 the crop in itself. So, of course, um, investigating the effect of different locations and maybe also altitudes um, is very important for the general goal of this project, yes. And then maybe finally on on how the the project works. You've mentioned in the at the outset that you like to work in an interdisciplinary fashion and with different partners. How does this principle apply to the crop ML project? Who's involved and why is it maybe beneficial to have the partner structure that you have? 
Yeah, so um, the Crop ML project would not be possible to do if we wouldn't have um, strong partners in industry. For example, here Computomics is um, our main partner in the project. So they are also coordinating the project. And from them, uh, we get, first of all, information about environmental data. They help us to build up the pipelines that we can easily get data from these multiple environments and locations easily um, to develop our models. So we would not be able to develop new models if we would not get data. And on the other hand, we also have to then prove do our models work? So we have to go back to the to our partners and our, uh, for example, Computomics, and they have to then go back to their partners to see can we integrate this more or less into the into the reality, into our real world, and does this really help? So that's very important. Um, otherwise, all these developments would be more or less theoretical and wouldn't have any application. Is there anything else about the project that you haven't shared yet that you find exciting or challenging that you'd like to share with us and the listeners? That's a very good question. So in general, I think the exciting part is really this strong and difficult discipline of finding models or tuning these more modern-based models towards the the effect that we can make it happen, that we can do complex phenotype prediction. And what's also something that's very interesting and we didn't talk at all about. So maybe it makes also sense to not only include environmental data and um, single variant positions from the genomes, but maybe we have to integrate even more. So bio biology is so more complex than just looking at single positions in the genome. So we also might uh, need to in investigate interaction effects between these uh, different locations. We, we have already information about which genes are involved and uh, are there specific epigenetic factors and so on. So it's a quite multi-omics-based approach also. So maybe we can also integrate additional information that help us in the end to create better predictions. But that's yeah a lot of stuff that can be investigated and we have to see how much time do we have for all these different questions, of course, yeah. I was about to follow up with, is this part of what you're trying to do with CropML in this project phase or is this almost a teaser for the next project uh, application that the BNBF will, will have on their desks at some point from, from you and your partners? Yeah, I think so. This multi-omics approach uh, won't be part of the project, but this is something that we also can investigate, for example, in master's theses. So there are a lot of students also at our campus that are interested in this topic, and they are always searching for challenging and interesting master's theses. So we can also open up this box a little bit and investigate these things uh, based on this uh, on uh, on our master's students, for example. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think we're, we're making the round now back to, to teaching or back to kind of the early stage researchers and how they can contribute to this idea, um, to this approach. This is very interesting. It's, it's almost hard to, to summarize all of it, but I think we learned a lot about the CropML project, how you're trying to integrate complex environmental data and genetic traits into machine learning methods to hopefully at some point outperform traditional models on a consistent basis and enable breeders and breeding programs to develop new and more sustainable, more robust plants in a, in a climate that's becoming more and more unstable and thereby help us all to, to have a more sustainable model in the future. Dominic, thank you so much for your time, for your enthusiastic depiction of what you're doing with the project. And we look forward to learning more in the future. 
for our listeners out there, feel free to check out our homepage, computomics.com. We will have a few show notes on this episode with Dominic, and it will have links to the uh, CropML projects, of course, and to the website where you can find, I'm sure, links to the package as well that you developed, the library. Right, Dominic? Is that definitely is that on your yes? Website? Yes, that's Perfect. on our website and on our GitHub pages. So all information are publicly available. Perfect. So we will be linking to those. Um, so feel free to, to surf by there. Check it out more in depth and uh, come back next time for the Computomics podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for the invitation.